0: What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back with another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. So we got we do not have a guest this week. Um, we're just trying to tie up some loose ends before we have a very big, very important, very cool show that we're doing next week. Um, so be looking forward to that. We're just trying to tie up some loose ends, some stuff that we said we'd talk about and haven't necessarily gotten to yet um and among those we're going to go over de- developments out of fall camp and scrimmage news as well as some things that have happened over college football in the last week or so um and then we're going to do our new year six predictions at the end i'm going to go over some of my favorite week 0 bets um because football comes back this saturday at noon finally um but before we get started, Wes, what are you drinking on tonight?
1: Um, so I'm not leaving you hanging this week. Um, <laughs> you're not. You're not the lone alcoholic of the group. Um, it's just uh, make a Michelob Ultra grabbed out of the mini fridge.
0: <laughs> so I am actually drinking my favorite kind of whiskey tonight, um, and that is free whiskey. Hey. So, can't beat it. so last week I went to the Georgia Fire Sprinkler Association convention in Savannah. And they, you can't see it because my green screen's all jacked up. Um, but it's a Jefferson's Ocean double-barreled rye whiskey. Oh. And what's super cool about this, if you don't know what it is or haven't heard of it, so Jefferson's Ocean is where they put whiskey in barrels and put it on ships and sail it all over the world. So... Just reading off the neck tag on this one. This is Voyage 26. It was, it left the port of Savannah in hurricane season. Oh, it went to, it went through the Panama Canal to the Philippines. It went to, um, New Zealand. Then it went to Australia. Damn. New Guinea, Singapore, Korea, Japan, then back to the Panama Canal, and then back to Savannah before it was bottled. Oh, wow. So, it's kind of gimmicky. They say you can taste extra saltiness in it because of all the ocean air and stuff. I, I haven't ever really picked that up, but we'll see. This is my first yeah. time trying this one, so we will see.
1: I'm glad you said that cuz I was definitely about to ask you if you get if there was like extra saltiness of it.
0: <laughs> I've got I've got another one that I don't pick up any saltiness in, just being 100% honest. First taste on this one I do kind of get it, but not to the extent that everybody says.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is a little disappointing. But like I said the best whiskey is pretty whiskey.
1: Yeah, you can't can't beat it.
0: So as a college football podcast, we would be remiss to not acknowledge the recent deaths of football players across the country. Um, our thoughts go out to the family and friends of the Indiana State player that was killed in a car accident, Caleb Van Houser. Um, and there were two other students also killed in that accident. And then also former Ole Miss and late Florida international player Luke Knox, his family and friends as well. Um Hate to bring it down, but when you have stuff like this happen so close back to back, it just, yeah, they deserve to be recognized more than most people are going to give them.
1: The shitty thing, too, like I didn't even hear about the Indiana State one until you just mentioned it.
0: Yeah. So I found out (laughs) today. I was, um, ESPN sent me a notification about it and then I looked into it. Um, Yeah, he got in a car accident with a couple other students last night, and it was a single car accident. And I think three students ended up passing away in one accident. So that was damn. Yeah, that's wild and sad. But wanted to bring that at the forefront. um, Like I said, none of these guys are really getting the recognition they deserve. But from here, we're going to very (laughs) optimally move into fall camp.
1: We can only Uh, go up from here.
0: (laughs) Only go up from here, right? So the biggest position group that I have questions about going into fall camp is the offensive line. Um, I think the tackle spots are locked up. Warren McClendon has very quietly been unrecognized, but a phenomenal right tackle for the dogs over the last two seasons. He's the only guy that last year you never heard anything about on the broadcast because he was doing his job playing and play out. Yeah. Um Next season, we're going to have Broderick Jones at left tackle, and he came in with next to no experience in the national championship um, and played left tackle extremely well in the second half of that game against the guys like Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, um, which is uh, extremely surprising. Um, I don't see anybody taking his spot. No. Center's locked up. Uh, Cedric Van Pl- Cedric Van Praan, he stole that job with Warren Erickson, broke his hand last year, and uh, he's never even thought about giving it back to him. Wait, when you break your snapping hand two weeks before the season, you're going to lose your job, is what it yes. is. Yes. Yes.
1: Ooh. So I'm watching what? the Falcons game, and I think Fitzpatrick just made a nasty ass catch. I think it was Fitzpatrick. Sorry, the breaking news. News game's on. Yeah, the breaking Falcons news: news is The
0: Falcons can actually do well in football.
1: Well, it was a Georgia boy. It was Fitzpatrick. Oh,
0: okay. There yeah. Positive. Positive. <laughs> um, so then we've got the guards, and I think that's really the spot that's completely up for grabs. Um, Justin Schaefer went to the draft, and then Warren Erickson played guard last season to a average to barely above average level. National Championship, he was replaced by Jamari Sawyer in that guard spot. But now we've got two openings. We've got Mr. Mullet himself, the man whose hair got (laughs) him an NIL deal. He was touted as the best offensive lineman coming into last season and then played five plays and got hurt for the rest of the season, Mr. Tate Ratledge. All accounts say that he has taken that spot for um, I believe it's right guard at yeah. all accounts for that he's hundred percent the starting right guard. He's got the same hype as he did last season. Um, and then through the first two scrimmages we've had Devin Willett taking the first team reps. And for those of you that don't remember him coming out a couple years ago, he was a three star. Tack or he was a guard coming out of high school playing guard for us. This kid is Th- six foot seven, three hundred and thirty five pounds.
1: Jesus.
0: To put that into perspective, that's almost a foot taller than Stetson Bennett.
1: <laughs> that's not saying much, though.
0: <laughs> Fair, but that's a significant height advantage.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, no, he was he was massive coming out of high school. Good footwork. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, how? what's your confidence level going into this Oregon game for the offensive line?
1: Honestly, I feel like the line is probably on par with the rest of the offense, like, when it comes to experience. Like, yeah. everyone on that line, like, the names you've mentioned, they've all been household names. in with Georgia fans since day one, pretty much, from what i can remember like i feel like broderick jones has been there for like 20 years
0: And that i think this just... is going to be maybe his red shirt sophomore season
1: that's what i'm saying like <laughs> it feels like he's been there forever um but no like i feel like the line is like like i said earlier really on par with the rest of the offense like with the amount of experience they have the depth on the line cuz i mean a lot of people were are worried about the defense but if you look back to last year a lot of the guys got real playing time because how di- how deep our defense was, the same with the offense, we would just rotating dudes out. So I feel like I there's nothing to worry about on that line, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I have to gr- disagree with you there. Georgia's um, <laughs> recruited extremely well. I I don't know what I said, but I have to agree with you there. I think I yeah, you said disagree. disagree. I was like, oh, all right. Oh no, no. <laughs> No, nope, sorry, uh, it's agree. I agree with you. Georgia's recruited extremely well on the offensive line, um, and just think about it. What are some three stars that Georgia's hit on over the last few years? Talking about Devin Willick, you got guys like Jordan Davis, Ad yeah. um, Mitchell, Lad McConkey. All of those are three star guys, and were major reasons that we won national championship last year. So, Georgia yeah. can definitely develop and
1: Are you, are you sure? It,
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I've heard Kirby's only a recruiter. I don't think he can develop.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out.
0: But I I would say if I put it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say I'm about a 7 in the offensive line. Uber talented, not necessarily experienced.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I, so, would, I would agree. So now we're going to go over some press conference comments from Kirby Smart's post scrimmage press conference. Um, Wes, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to kind of say, abbreviate what Kirby said in this press conference and then kind of get your take on it and see if I've got anything to add. How's that sound?
1: Sounds good. Sorry, my outdoor cat wanted in. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I get it. It's, um, I've got all three dogs within about a foot of me because it's storming here. Oh, same. Lucky us. <laughs> so, so we talked about it last week, but Dylan Bell has continued to show out in fall camp. Um, it looks like he's going to get a lot of reps at that Z receiver spot, and... Kirby made comments about his blocking getting better because that's a giant part of Georgia's explosive run game. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to add about Dylan Bell that we didn't talk about last week?
1: No. I mean, excited to see. I mean, there's not really much. I don't – how do I phrase it without sounding like not a fan? I don't look much into fall camp. I That's I, I fair. I, I I don't. Um do I follow it? Yeah, but do I read up on like what's said, what's not? Yeah, but I don't deep dive into fall camp because I'm like, cool, you can do all this great stuff during fall camp, but until you tee it up against another team, I I we'll
0: see. (laughs) So I agree with you, with the exception that Kirby picks and chooses what he's willing to say very carefully. Yeah. So when he emphasizes something, I take note of it. (laughs) Um, And honestly, we did skip a lot going over this press conference because he was asked about five or six times about who was going to be second string quarterback. And I guess when the reporters ask questions, they don't actually pay attention to what anybody else asks. Because it seemed like the same question got asked three or four times. It was it was pretty difficult to get through the whole 20 minutes, if I'm being honest.
1: There's a quota that they have to meet.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that I like said, I read into what he says because he picks what he says so carefully. Eric Gilbert has progressed oh. in his biggest weakness as a tight end, which has been blocking that's the reason that LSU pretty much only used him as a wide receiver his freshman year um, is that he just wasn't, he just wasn't that good of a run blocker. um, Like we talked about with Dylan Bell, it's extremely important in our offense. So I'm excited to see that. Um, And then Kirby said that he's also come leaps and bounds more comfortable with the offense since coming back to the team in the spring.
1: Good. I mean, I'm glad like, since he's came from LSU, it's just a dude that you've rooted for. Oh, absolutely! Like, even if you aren't a Georgia fan, you've rooted for Eric Gilbert just because what he's gone through, the absences he's taking from the team, and all this stuff. But it wasn't just like absences, like he took the absences absences for his mental health.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I know one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and like, especially dude. after
0: hearing about how just. Dumpster fire that LSU program was towards the end. Yeah, it, it spent a kid that had never really been away from his family that much went to LSU for the promise of being in a good offense and the entire team, the culture. I mean, they were going through an FBI investigation when he was a true freshman. Yeah, I mean that nuts. And, <laughs> and he took the time away. He took the time at, out of his athletic prime to get himself right. And I think every everything I've heard is that he's coming back and doing it the right way. And I think he's going to be just another reason that Georgia takes Iowa's tight end university spot. I
1: I think it's already taken.
0: (laughs) It would be real hard to say it's not, at least for the time being with Georgia's tight end room.
1: Like it's, I would say it's a four-headed monster, but right now, because, I mean, Austin Dope, I'm excited to see him, but, he's here, but I don't see him getting on the field much with this tight end court we have going on.
0: Yeah. No, I can see it. I can see it late in some games when they put some yeah. 14 personnel out there when everybody else is just tired and you've got Brock Bowers <laughs> who can get 25 miles an hour. <laughs> um, But – So another thing Kirby talked about was that they're still holding out guys in scrimmages like Jalen Carter and other guys that played a lot on defense last year. Um, But he did say that they were – they were still getting pressure without Jalen Carter, which is – I mean, that that says a lot to me when that offensive line we just talked about, you're getting guys with very little experience who are now getting experience against a good offensive line. Yeah. And – I, no, I'm I'm excited about that. I hope it continues to go that way. Um, we're not going to talk about the backup quarterback situation because I, honest to God, hope we don't see him this year. Um,
1: I mean, I hope we do just late in games.
0: Well, at that point, I hope <laughs> we see some walk-ons, but I'm talking about when it matters. <laughs> so... Another player that we are both excited to see back, Ryan Davis. He finally <laughs> played in fall camp for the first time in this scrimmage. Kirby said he did well. This is a guy that's had nothing but injuries. Um, I talked about him in my football one-on-one defense episode. I know we've talked about him before.
1: Yeah. The
0: kid looked to be a, like a stud inside linebacker coming out of high school. Um and I think this is the first time that he's gotten an extended practice time just because of all the injuries that he's had to deal with.
1: Good. I mean, that linebacker core is going to be – what is weird to say is going to be the weakest part of that defense, in my opinion. Oh,
0: oh no, absolutely. And that's why I keep – that's why every episode I talk about Mississippi State, they run those slants, <laughs> they run those passes right across <laughs> the middle. I mean, so I watched – I've been pretty much glued to SEC Network the last couple of weeks watching all the replays from last season. And Mississippi State passed to the running back so often. Mississippi State threw those little mesh routes over the middle so often. You've got to have an inside linebacker that can break those passes up. Yeah. I think once again, that's a major reason why I think that that's going to be a difficult game, just because they're very good in the areas that Georgia's own experience.
1: But, but so you did text me and ask me if you go on your rant. Was was that your rant, or uh, is there more?
0: Oh no, there's more. But we don't have time today. I no, I that is, <laughs> that has a lot to do with it, but we don't have time today. Um, second to last thing we're going to talk about. Dominic Blaylock, Kirby mentioned him by wow. name that he was making plays that he was showing out, and this is against the first string defense. This is against your Keeley Ringo, your Tyke Smith, your Chris Smith Jr., and he's still showing out like he did his freshman season. I know every Georgia fan that's been paying attention is super excited to see him back healthy,
1: dude. God, I want it that field.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I want a Dominic Blaylock jersey just for all the kids been through just right? to come back. Just to come back. He never left. He got recruited over. He never left. He got hurt. He never left. He got hurt again. He never left. I think I think he could possibly end up being one of the top two receivers on the team by the end of the season if he stays healthy. Oh, I mean, Yeah. He was the only reason that Georgia only lost one game in the regular season in 2019 with Lawrence Cater going down. Yeah, like He is quite literally the only reason that that 2019 team made the SEC championship.
1: Speaking of jerseys, I need to figure out a new jersey for next year.
0: Well, maybe one of the guys we're about to talk about because the safety battle across <laughs> from Christopher Smith is down to five-star athletes. Not even in a position, five star athlete out of Elberton, Georgia, Malachi Starks and David Daniel. David Daniel played a lot last year, but for a defensive secondary position and Kirby to straight up say that Malachi Starks might play is saying something. Um Yeah. No, I mean, I'm super excited to see the kid. I think he might even be uh be on kick returns with how athletic he is this year.
1: See, he can't do that. That's Kier's spot. But um no,
0: like I, I would like to see Starks, but like you
1: said, I'd like to see Daniel back. Daniel back there, but if Starks is the best option, then hey, you got to put the best option back there.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited to see him. So there have also been some rule changes this off season, that, yeah, no, and they're all ones that are actually needed. Good, um, yeah. And this is something that I haven't heard any other college football podcast talk about. So, shameless plug, if you listen and your friends don't listen, tell them that we talk about shit that nobody else does. (laughs) Shameless plug. The important shit. Right. We have declined a little bit with our last episode of listeners, so... Y'all need oh. to uh, – we need an army of people out there just forcing people to listen to us.
1: Which we now have
0: 101
1: members in our page or in our group, which means mm. there should be at least 101 listens. Just there, are 100,
0: there are 101 people in our Facebook group, Nothing Finder Podcast on Facebook. And <laughs> we <plug>. have <laughs> – this whole thing is a shameless plug. I'll pull it up right now to tell you how many people have listened to our – episode with Connor 18 and that's Connor down not sharing it that i mean that's down quite a bit so y'all are failing us this close to the season we need you to step it up <laughs> but now that i've gotten off one of my mini soap boxes that i feel like i go <laughs> every week so there have been multiple rule changes made in the last i i just started seeing an article or two about them in the last couple of weeks um But no one's talking about them, and a lot of them are going to have major impacts in games this year. First one I want to talk about is something that every college football fan thinks needs to get completely rewritten. Targeting. This isn't a complete rewrite, but if a player is ejected in the second half of a game for targeting, their team can appeal so that player is eligible in the first half of the next game. And those appeals are going to be like, you know, was it targeting? Yes, but he wasn't trying to take the dude out. It, was it wasn't a, malicious. Right. There is no malicious intent there. And that's kind of why they're doing the appeal process instead of real time, because they say that referees can't, you know, officiate intent, except there's literally a rule called intentional grounding. So that falls on deaf ears. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's huge. I just think about in the last few years all the stuff that has happened. Um,
1: Smoke where, Monday,
0: God, I you know I have tried <laughs> to go back and see how many times he's been ejected for targeting. Like that's not a stat the NCAA keeps. That's not a stat that the SEC keeps. I've looked, I have tried because I know he's been he's been ejected in the first half of every Georgia game he's ever played in. Really? Yes. Three yeah. years in a row, he was ejected in the first or second quarter against Georgia.
1: Jesus Christ! I didn't. He know was, was ejected that
0: against Mississippi State last year. Yeah, because I went back and Penn, watched that game.
1: Penn State on a yeah no. We're going down another soapbox.
0: Yeah, no. I,
1: yeah.
0: Off-season topics. Off-season topics. <laughs> um. So now all you mustard loving Tennessee fans are going to be excited about this one. Teams are now able to report alleged faking of injuries to the national coordinator of officials, and they will review it during the week. And the school that faked the injury can <laughs> receive penalties. Uh,
1: I think this is the not best.
0: said. They haven't said what those penalties are. Um, <laughs> I, Ole Miss is going to be reported in the first half of the first game because they were egregious last year.
1: This is by far the the best one.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. The, it, like we might as well call this the Lane Kiffin rule. Like okay. we got the Kenny Pickett rule that we're going to talk about. This is the Lane Kiffin rule. So the uh, egg bowl was on TV a couple days ago, and there was that play that everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Ole Miss defensive lineman gets up, gets in his stance, looks over at the sideline. Points at himself like he's saying, oh, me? And then falls on the ground. But First, they should force Ole Miss players to take acting classes if they're going to do this shit. And second, (laughs) Ole Miss is going to pay for it this year because they run that fast-paced offense. And when they start getting on a roll, it's going to happen to them this year. And I'm going to laugh my ass off. And this is coming from somebody who roots for Ole Miss nine weeks a year. Like I, I love Lane Kiffin, but it, what goes around comes around, man.
1: I just like I just I like, the, it's I, just like I like Lane Kiffin, but I like their powdered blues. So I think that's why I root for them so much, because they're powdered blues.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, Oxford is a trip that I a hundred percent want to make.
1: Oh yeah. When we get when we get sponsors, you know, when we get our 101 listeners, we'll um we'll get <laughs> we'll get our sponsors to pay for our trip to Oxford.
0: <laughs> you know what? We might start doing a Patreon if nobody's going to sponsor us.
1: Let's do it. Let's <laughs> go to – I'm down. I want to. I want a box seat at the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Well, Candle, I know you're listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we'll see about that. <laughs> so, another rule change has happened is only linemen and stationary running backs are allowed to block below the waist within the tackle box. Uh, and instead of...
1: So, what... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. What classifies as a stationary
0: back? I think that's going to be very difficult to officiate. but to me, if you move...
1: Be- if you move any... Bit at all, you're no longer
0: stationary.
1: It's like if you move the block, you're no longer stationary.
0: <laughs> I think it's going to be very similar to like the the um, moving pick rule in basketball. I think it's gonna okay. Be, your feet have to be in a certain place for w- maybe one whole second or something before you can or, dive at a defender's feet.
1: Or if like you're not running a route, like if. The dude's like the defenseman's coming in. You know, you can not dive, but like take his legs out. Yeah, maybe I, I don't know. But I've, but still, even that's sketchy because even if you're stationary, and the dude's running full speed, and you hit his knee the wrong way, he's done.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think this is going to be extremely difficult for uh, I mean service academies first off because they run that triple option most of the time. Um, which is all about having running back-sized linemen that dive at people's legs. Yeah, I I think that's going to be tough. Um, I think it's going to be tough to officiate just as much as it is tough to abide by. And then next one is the Kenny Pickett rule. Uh, We talked about it earlier. If you paid any attention to, what was it, the ACC championship or was it the bowl game?
1: No, it was the ACC championship game.
0: Yeah, Kenny Pickett, um, he's going to start for the Steelers this year. Phenomenal quarterback. He fake slid at a defender. And it might be the smoothest play of the season. Oh, so
1: smooth. So smooth. Because
0: he fake slid and then got up and he ran. Didn't he take that play for a touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. As a quarterback, fake slid, got up in the middle of a slide, and continued running down the field for a touchdown. Like,
1: I, I'll, if you haven't seen it, I'll put it on the Instagram page.
0: Yeah. No, Nothing.finder.podcast, boom. It's just dot .pod, but yes.
1: Oh, shit, dot .pod. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, And the last one, uh, last rule change that we're going to talk about, and I think it's a pretty important one. If a call is overturned within two minutes, the officials can now reset the game clock. So I didn't know this was a. I honestly didn't know that this was something before that was a problem. But now, like if a if they say somebody's out of bounds, they weren't out of bounds. They can set the game clock back and then keep going instead of the game or the clock starting on the snap, uh, which is going to be huge in big games. I expect that to be a of oh, wow. conversation. Yeah. I think that's gonna be a topic of conversation like week three when there's a big game and that somebody runs out of time and and you heard it here first.
1: I would say Texas, Alabama, but I don't think that game's gonna be close.
0: No, we talked about that last week with Connor. I Texas is the um their uniform might as well be hospital gowns this year. They are hurt. Yeah. All right, guys. So now we're gonna move into the New Year's six predictions and um what we're going to do is we're going to start with the non-playoff games. I'm going to just kind of give the name of the game we're talking about first, let Wes take over, and then I'll kind of give my opinion. I think we're going to have a lot of different ones in here, so it's not going to be us regurgitating the same stuff, so that'll be fun. Um, that
1: the only ones that are probably going to be the same is our playoff ones. Maybe. We'll see.
0: Maybe. Um <laughs> So,
1: we'll start with the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. All right. So, with the Rose Bowl, is normally your Big Ten and your Big Ten champion and your Pac-12 champion. Well, I think the Big Ten champion and the Pac-12 champion are going both going to be in the playoffs. So, from then, you go, obviously, with your runner-ups, Wisconsin and Oregon. If you listen to our pod last week, you know that I have Wisconsin – going to the Big Ten Championship, and then I have Oregon going to the Pac-12. I think they're going to meet up in the granddaddy of them all. And I think I have to go with Oregon because, you know, they're my bandwagon team.
0: So we do have one the same in this one. Um, Oh. I I have Minnesota play in Oregon. If you listen, like – we're going to reference back a lot what we talked about last week. Um, so shameless plug go listen to that and get us up from 18 views or listens
1: to 19
0: but no our first <laughs> two episodes are at like fifty. we need to get back to that
1: Dude, that's how it always happens this is like my fifth podcast I've been a part of and that's how it always happens
0: I, I mean we were averaging 20 something and then last week we just dropped so we need oh, y'all so, to... it's Connor damn big 10 Uh, So, Minnesota and Oregon Going back to last week I think both of these teams are Second in their conference Um, And I think this is going to be A really fun game to watch You've got Mo Ibrahim Doing his final game of his career You've got Bo Nix Who's probably in the final game of his career Unless he can find some eligibility left I I think it's going to be a real fun one to watch I mean, it always is I don't know the last time we had a boring Rose Bowl, but um, you got a lot of big names in this that are going to be coming back for their last season, hopefully actually playing in the game too. Um, So let's go to the Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl, all right. So
1: obviously you can't spell Sugar without UGA. Hell yeah. So, But no, I don't have Georgia going to the Sugar Bowl. I actually have Arkansas and Baylor. I think Baylor takes another trip to the Sugar Bowl. I think it'll be like their third one in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because last year last year they played Ole Miss and the year before that played Georgia. So yeah. Was it? Yeah. So yeah, it'd be their third trip.
0: No. Yeah, I have I have Arkansas. No. No. The twenty twenty Georgia was in the peach bowl.
1: Against Baylor?
0: No, Georgia was in the peach bowl against no. Cincinnati in twenty twenty. Yeah. I'm no, looking at Keep Baylor. going. down.
1: I'm talking about Baylor's trip to the Sugar Bowl. Last year, they played Ole Miss. The year before that, they played Georgia, I thought. Anyways, I like Arkansas. Yeah, I'm looking at I think Arkansas Arkansas has a chance to be the second-best team in the West behind Alabama. I wholeheartedly believe so. I love Sam Pittman. I love everything about Sam Pittman, what he's done with that team, the atmosphere he's made of that team, and the hog fountain he has, which if you haven't seen it, you go look it up. And then Baylor. I, I like Baylor. I have Baylor going to the um, uh, Big 12 championship. I actually have them winning the Big 12. Yeah, now looking at this, I actually have them winning the Big 12 because I, I think Oklahoma makes it, but I think Baylor's experience, they, they pull out and they end up taking it.
0: So the last three Sugar Bowls have been Baylor beating Ole Miss. And then 2021 was the playoff where Ohio State beat Clemson. And then 2020 was Georgia beating Baylor.
1: Yeah, so, so been non, two out of
0: the last three.
1: So, non-playoff Sugar Bowls.
0: They've been twice. But the year before that was Texas and Georgia.
1: Yeah, we don't talk about that one. No.
0: Bruno, <laughs> we don't talk about it. Um, My Sugar Bowl picks. I've got Oklahoma State and Arkansas. Hey. Um, so, we're both real high on Arkansas. After doing my helmet schedule, I've got them at 10 wins. Um, oh, yeah. I think they lose to BYU and Alabama and I think the rest oh. of that they're They lose to BYU and Alabama.
1: Oh, hot take.
0: They lose to Alabama? That's not a hot take. No.
1: No, the BYU won. Oh. <laughs>
0: uh, I, no, I think BYU's got a lot coming back. Well, I mean, I've talked about that over and over. Um, right. But I think Arkansas goes seven 7-1 in the SEC, making them the third-best team in the conference. And then eight with we've got very similar uh, Big 12, except I'm, I think Oklahoma State's going to win it this year. Um, Derek Mason coming in as the new defensive coordinator. They've got all that talent coming back. I think Oklahoma State takes the Big Twelve championship, um, and Arkansas. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, I think Arkansas is third team out of the SEC. They've got so much talent, and the yeah. thing that is about Arkansas—they're all bought in. But they don't. They they could go four and eight this year, and they don't have a single player on that team that's not going to give one hundred percent come week twelve. Yeah. No. And I mean, you've got th- you've got teams like Texas A&M who gave up last season, Florida who gave up last season, Missouri who gives up week two every year. But, <laughs> I mean, you've got Arkansas who hadn't had an SEC win in years coming in 2020, and they're probably the most bought-in team in the league. Um, I
1: th- I think it was I think the turnaround for them, uh, yeah, getting to San was the turn, but I think it was beating Texas.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, like, the game that I've got after lost that on Texas TV trend? now is the A and M game, which is the next week. Yeah. And
1: yeah, I know that, no, I it, made um I made Arkansas State Cha- or Texas State championship shirts. Yeah, they beat A
0: <laughs> Well, they beat Rice, Texas, and A and M back to back to back. State champions. State champions. <laughs> Georgia owned South Carolina last year too. Yep. Um. So, anyways, back to it. Oh, my <laughs> my line that I got about Arkansas: their entire team is more bought in than Tennessee fans when their new coach starts saying some dumb cliche shit. Which nice. I hope Tennessee fans are listening, because it's absolutely true. One in brick by brick, and five star hearts, and yeah, y'all y'all were mad that we were making fun of you.
1: Something about uh, a trash can, I'm sure.
0: So, now, speaking of Orange, we're going to the Orange Bowl. Um, Wes, what are your thoughts? Who's going to play in the Orange Bowl this year?
1: So, I found out something odd about the Orange Bowl. not odd, but actually pretty cool that I didn't know. So, Notre Dame, right? Yeah. They are allowed to take an ACC bid for any bowl game except the Orange Bowl. Even though they're not part of the ACC, they can take a bid to a bowl game As an ACC team, except for the Orange Bowl.
0: But in the Orange Bowl, they have their own bid built into it.
1: Yes. So, that being said, my pick for the Orange Bowl is the ACC champion, Miami, and Notre Dame. I think we have the Catholics versus convicts in the Orange Bowl.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Oh. (laughs) I mean, if you look at Notre Dame, like, yeah, they're tough, but Notre Dame always finds a way to pull the, the games out that they shouldn't. And I, I yeah. believe you're not going to have a New Year's Six
0: without Notre Dame.
1: I, I wholeheartedly believe the committee will somehow find a way to put them in a the New Year's Six Bowl.
0: That's fair. Um <laughs> That That's fair. My only pushback on that is going to be that they've got a gauntlet of a schedule this season. Yeah, and, and like it I, said, I, I know it's tough,
1: but like Notre Dame for somehow always finds a way to pull out the games they shouldn't pull out, except when they play Georgia.
0: Right. But they also did lose to Cincinnati last year.
1: Everybody lost, except for Alabama lost to Cincinnati last year.
0: And the calendar year of 2021, Georgia didn't lose to them either. <laughs> um, so I've actually got to change mine up a little bit now because I did not know that little fun fact. Um, but I will say that depending on the week two game where Kentucky goes into the swamp, I think if Kentucky goes into the swamp Wait, without that's Seabras, week two, that's week two. Oh. If Kentucky goes in the swamp without C-Rod and wins that game, I think Kentucky ends up winning 10 games, they make it to the Orange Bowl, and they play Miami.
1: I don't, I'm not on the Kentucky hype train.
0: I am to an extent, and that's because the SEC East, everybody is down with the exception of Tennessee, who's coming up. But when Tennessee plays a good defense, everybody gets tired. Yeah, everybody on their team gets tired.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't see Kentucky pulling out that win against Tennessee this year. Unfortunately, as much as I'd love to see it, I I, I don't see it.
0: I think they can. I don't know if they will, but I think they can. I hope they do. Um,
1: we all I hope think, they do.
0: Well, I mean, it's not even just that I don't like Tennessee. I. It's one of those things where, for the sake of the conference in general going forward, you don't want schools firing coaches every two years. But yeah. if if Hypo gets to 10 wins this year, and then all of those good players that he's got leaves, and he gets six wins next year, he's going to get fired. Tennessee fans are too crazy. <laughs> and then – and then you're going to have going into 2025 Tennessee's in another rebuild when you've got Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league. And then if they end yeah. up beating Tennessee, it's going to set them back further. Um, for the good of the conference, I hope Tennessee <sighs> wins at most eight, eight or nine games this year because if they go too high up, they are going to crash hard. Yeah. But, uh. I mean – so, I did do a little bit of deep dive on Notre Dame's schedule currently with the new AP rankings. They have four top 25 games on their schedule. A third of their schedule are top 25 teams. That is tough. Yeah. But they and always they find a, they always find a way. And they're away at so many of those. Like let, let me look it back up.
1: So, I'm a, so I had someone try to talk so a little smack on Georgia's schedule saying we don't play anybody ranked in the t- in the preseason top twenty five. I was like, he's like they play one in this Oregon, none in the SEC. I was like, well, Kentucky's ranked eleventh, but I don't give a shit about preseason rankings. But because by the time you play a team, they could either be in the rankings or not.
0: Like, yeah, no, preseason 100%. rankings
1: to me don't matter.
0: So I'm not gonna say they don't matter, but I think they're skewed a lot of the times. Oh, like, yeah. for example, in the first – so, t- Notre Dame, right off the rip, they play Ohio State. And then October 8th, the best day of football this season, they're at BYU. First they're it's at good. Ohio State, then they're at BYU.
1: I think Ohio State could be their only loss. I, looking at their schedule, I don't see – BYU – I think it's a, a recency bias with a lot of people.
0: I, I think BYU is <laughs> going to take him out. And I know that – I know you're going to be like, oh, he's just – no, they have a lot of ten, returning production. No, they do. Team. They do. They've got a lot of experience. Um, Wait. So, I think BYU on. ends this season ranked higher than USC.
1: Damn.
0: I have no faith in USC because they were a dumpster fire up until January.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that this just hit me. I feel like I'm high right now, but I'm not because I can't be.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we had the Catholics versus the Mormons with Notre Dame and BYU. Yeah, somebody talked about that. Was it? Didn't you say that a couple
0: weeks Did ago? Did
1: I? I don't I know, it. but the Holy – talk about a holy war.
0: yes. <laughs> And it's in Vegas.
1: It's even better.
0: Um, yeah. And then three of Notre Dame's top twenty-five games are away games, which is going to be tough. But enough Notre Dame talk. They're, not, I mean, they're going to end up going ten and two and being called the best ten-win team of the season, like they always are. Always. Um, next bowl game we're going to talk about is the Cotton Bowl, which is interesting because this is the at-large versus at-large bowl.
1: So, another tidbit I found about this, SEC has tie-ins to the Cotton Bowl. Um, so I actually have Houston and Kentucky in this one.
0: So, this year, it is just the highest ranked team that's not in any of the other ones versus the next highest ranked team that's not
1: in well, any of the other ones. Shit. I got that
0: one wrong then. <laughs> no, it changes. It changes. But this <laughs> year is when it rotates back into that.
1: Oh uh, well never mind. So Houston and then yeah, whoever else goes from we'll say the uh the Mac. Fuck it. I don't know. Crap <laughs> now now I gotta now I gotta do All a right. team. I'll go.
0: I'll go. You can you can look up something up real quick. So I also have Houston. I think Houston's the best Group of Five team this year. Um, I think that's pretty fair. Pretty fair assumption. I think everybody says that. But then I've got I've got my bandwagon team. I think BYU sneaks in, gets a New Year's Six bowl in Texas. They play in the Cotton Bowl, but. I think it's either Houston or Mississippi State against BYU. Y'all know I'm I on Mississippi State. I will go on my rant next week. I think they're a 9-3 and three team.
1: So it can be Kentucky. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. You made it seem like it couldn't be Kentucky. Yeah, no, I saw like well, – you just I said think, you weren't yeah. high on Kentucky. I'm not, but I think they made the Cotton Bowl. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. Fuck you. You had me confused. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's all right. Kentucky's going to lose to Mississippi State this year.
1: According to you, everyone's going to lose to Mississippi State.
0: Mississippi State goes nine and three this year.
1: (laughs) You heard it here first. That's good for them.
0: I I mean, they'll still be third or fourth in the division, but that's because the West is so good. Um, So now we're moving into the playoff games. First up, we're going to talk about the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Who do you have going to the Peach Bowl?
1: So, the SEC champion versus Utah. Okay. So I, think, I, think, I think Utah seeks into the final four. I think they get fourth. And I think the SEC champion, whoever that is, whether it's Georgia or Alabama, takes the one seed. So, either Georgia or Alabama against Utah.
0: I mean, that's exactly what I have written down. Um Pac-12 breaks their sop, the CFP silence but they lose in the first round like the Pac-12 yeah. does except for Oregon back I'm gonna in except for Oregon I bro Mariota is on like his fourth NFL team we can't hype him up too much
1: Hey 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 all right He um, threw a
0: touchdown Oh good for him his one this yeah. season Hey they're on 13
1: nothing right now all
0: right on the Jets um, I think Utah does make this an interestingly close game, and that doesn't mean close.
1: Interesting. Closer than Inter- the experts think.
0: Closer than Washington was to Bama a few years ago. <laughs> and that's all the Big 12 can hope for at this point. Um, to the other playoff game, Fiesta Bowl. Who do you have going Fiesta Bowl?
1: The runner-up against Ohio State. So, whoever loses the SEC Championship game against Ohio State. And I mean, it it sucks to say, but I think it's going to be a repeat of last year in the SC Championship game. I think it's going to be Georgia-Bama, and Bama out for revenge, beats Georgia, and Georgia ends up playing Ohio State, and Alabama ends up playing Utah.
0: I mean, I mean, if I was filling out a bracket right now, what I would assume, that's exactly what I've got. Um. Yeah, I. If Alabama's offensive line takes a step forward, they're going to be really hard to beat. Their defense is going to be good.
1: So instead of wet, soggy toilet paper, just regular toilet paper.
0: I would say they're charmin ultra strong this year. They're oh, still toilet okay. paper. Okay. They're still toilet paper.
1: But, but they're but, ultra strong.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Like you can still break them with very little pressure. <laughs> Like they're not—they're not a cardboard offensive line. They're like a—they're like a thick toilet paper, like okay. two ply. Okay. Yeah. Play.
1: They're
0: two ply. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an Ohio State University playing the loser of the SEC championship. I think it's a one-possession game, but we get a repeat of last year's yeah. national title game. Ohio oh. State. Ohio State. They're Even if their defense is better, they're still not going to be good.
1: Dude, and that if, that's
0: all it comes down to.
1: If we have a repeat of last year's national title game... I'm many, not saying
0: the I mean, end granted, result is going to be the same.
1: No, no, no. I'm just saying how many... I mean, people are already crying for an expansion. Could you imagine okay. two years in a row, Georgia and Alabama...
0: <laughs> oh no, I said it last year. i, th- cr- I th- just turned it. I mean, last week I said it. I mean, maybe not the whole conspiracy that I went over last week with Connor, but Greg Sankey is moving all the pieces on the chessboard to yep. get at least an eighteen playoff. Because with an eighteen playoff years like last year, you have four SEC teams in. Oh yeah. Um So, do you agree with what I said about a repeat of last year's title game?
1: The only, be- the only thing that scares me is that Ohio, if and if Georgia does end up playing Ohio State, is that Ohio State receiving core and CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, Nick Jibbu or whatever his name is.
0: And Jigba and
1: the re- yeah <laughs> the and the rest of that receiving core it's that offense re- the defense yeah they don't play defense so I'm not worried about that I'm is worried it, about I mean isn't the this the offense. same
0: conversation we had in December of 2016 about Oklahoma and the Rose Bowl they had a Heisman yeah. winner they had all those receivers they had all those running backs they had that offensive line.
1: Isn't that the same? And they backed Kirby fucking shirt?
0: smart into a corner, <laughs> and he let them know what it was.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you give ter- same with Nick Saban. You know, Grant. Yeah, we all know Kirby's fires from the Nick Saban tree, but if you give them time to prepare, it's over.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree one hundred percent. Um. So now we're gonna move into a little bit of week zero stuff. I'm gonna talk about my favorite bet to the week. Um, and if Wes wants to add anything, if he's looked something up, he is more than happy to, and he is or more than welcome to, and he's also more than welcome to tell me I'm an idiot. I did more homework than normal, but I knew that much at work. Well, I did kind of add this <laughs> at the end because I, I was
1: looking yeah. at some stuff
0: and I got a little excited.
1: So when you um, sent me the outline, you know I was fully prepared to do you know my final four, but you sent me the outline. You had all the New Year's Six bowls. And I was like. Shit! I, we texted now about I have this to do.
0: like noon. <laughs> we talked about it. I swear we did.
1: No, well, I said the final four. I'm pretty sure I said the final four. Then I get the and then I said
0: NY six. Did you?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, see,
0: that's what you get for not me. reading. Let's um, see. So I'm gonna go over my favorite bets real quick, and I've got three that I really like this week. First is Hawaii and Vanderbilt to go over 55. And it has a lot more to do with how bad they are than how good they are. (laughs) Hawaii and Vanderbilt both ranked in the bottom 20 for overall defense last year. Do you know how difficult that is? I get it. I get it for Vanderbilt. Like they play, Vanderbilt plays in the SEC. Unless they have like a twenty thirteen year or whatever year it was that they snuck up and beat a bunch of people, I don't expect them to be good. Why plays in the I, Mountain West? Like I could probably go be a linebacker for some of the teams of the Mountain West, and they were a bottom twenty defense. Yeah, I, I think t- over fifty. Over 55 is easy money, and it's at Hawaii. Vanderbilt's not going to know what to do in that heat and humidity. Over 55.
1: Hey, Vanderbilt's six and a half point favorites.
0: That's great that they're a less than one touchdown favorite over a Mountain West team.
1: I don't understand this, though. So, Vanderbilt's the favorite, right, by six and a half. But Hawaii has a 72% chance to win.
0: What website are you looking at?
1: Uh, I'm on the ESPN app. The Football Power Index.
0: That's where you messed up. I'm on um, mybookie.ag. Please sponsor us. We'll talk about you every week, I promise. Ooh. Uh, So, I'm on mybookie.ag because that's who I personally use to lose money to. And I say this. I came out last year on top, so... I I don't always lose money. Um, MyBookie.ag is who I use. But for my next one, I've got Florida Atlantic minus seven and a half. And for, I guess I should have gone over this right off the top, over under like we played with Michael Dart, as you're saying that both of these team combined scores are going to be over that 55 when you say Florida Atlantic minus seven and a half, that, you, that means you think Florida Atlantic will win by seven and a half or more points in this situation yeah. because it's half a point. It's always eight. Um, so Florida Atlantic minus seven and a half. And they were in the top half of overall offense last season. Charlotte, who they're playing, Shout out 49ers and all my family in Charlotte. They were a bottom 10 defense last year, which we just talked about it with Ohio or Hawaii. Being that far down is difficult. Like you have to try to be that bad. It, you can't just be that bad. So I think Florida Atlantic to just win by seven and a half, I, I think that's easy money. Um, yeah and then so we got i'm
1: going i'm going over i'd easily go over seven and a half yeah yeah and that's that's, something
0: that you can also do on a lot of websites is you can take an alternate line and for example here the you could do an alternate line with this where you can make stupid money say you want to say they win by i don't know 24 points, you can go down and say, I think they're going to win by 24 points. It gives you much better odds to win money. Yeah. Um, So, we may end up doing like a whole little section on gambling terminology and stuff like that if y'all are interested. I know a lot of people that listen to this probably aren't going to be degenerates like me, and that's fine.
1: The boss won't let me. She told me
0: the only way she would let me gamble is if I know for sure.
1: I'm like, well, that's that's the point of it. That's the fun.
0: Well, a few years ago I put $25 into a my bookie account and I've not put money back into it.
1: Damn. So,
0: yeah. I mean, there there was a time where I got down to like $2 <laughs> but I got back up. <laughs> uh, That's
1: all that matters.
0: So, my third and final favorite bet of the week is the Utah state first half against the UConn. And this, just like the Hawaii Vanderbilt, this is just because UConn is objectively awful at football. Yeah, There's no bias in that. I don't think they've won a game in like three years. The, the university has talked about shutting football down again because they had already shut down their football program at one point because they were so bad. Um, the UConn had a coach quit in the middle of the week last week and, yeah, not, and like, like, they're, get, not get they're hired by coordinate. someone else. Not, like, leave for another job. He just said, "Now nah, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this. And just yeah. left. It that was is their,
1: unheard um, of. Their defensive coordinator. Not even just a coach. Just their defensive coordinator.
0: Which leans even further in <laughs> my point. The first half line is 14 and a half. And Utah State had the 22nd overall offense last season. And UConn had the 116th overall defense. That's out of Jesus. 130 teams, guys. <laughs> they were 14th from the bottom. Just like Charlotte was 10th from the bottom. Jesus. I, I think all of those are easy money. My biggest question would probably be the Hawaii Vanderbilt. Just because they're so bad, they could also be bad the other direction. Yeah. Um, but Yo. if anybody's interested, I did look it up. And if you wanted to take a parlay, call it the picker parlay, it would be plus 600. So that means for every dollar you bet, you would get six. If you agree with me and think that all of these are going to win, you could bet a dollar get six, you could bet 10, get 60, you could bet 100, get 600. I'm not gonna bet 100 because I'm not stupid.
1: But yo, I, I might, I might try to take this picker parlay. That's that's easy money.
0: We can we can keep track, and at the end of the year, you can be mad if you lose money.
1: That's that. That's easy money right there. Plus 600. I'm telling you, yo, ten. So I'm I'm about to put ten dollars in. <laughs>
0: hey, what? Before you do that, let's reach out and see if my bookie wants to sponsor us.
1: (laughs) Hey, we have 10 listeners. lost for us.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's worth a shot. So we're going to wrap up here. Um, We're going to wrap up. And I'm going to keep yelling about it just like I do every week until we have more than one answer on all eight of our episodes. I attach questions to each Spotify episode. Even if you just say hi, it'll help us out in the algorithm. You don't have to just, say anything. You can just put like an exclamation point and respond. But it helps us out. <laughs> um, we also have the Instagram at nothing.finder.pod for you to follow and interact with us. Once again, engagement gets the numbers up. And Wes is continuing. Shit. I was about to say that. West is continuing to kill the graphics. Um, And we've had two people steal our content over the last 24 hours. So if you happen to see anything stolen from us and they've cropped out our watermark or not credited us, call them out because there's some trash people running these pages that need to understand that they're trash. you are
1: trash.
0: We... Also have the Facebook group. A lot of fun in there. Um, nothing finer podcast for our community in Iraq. We've got over 100 people, but not over 100 listeners. So y'all are failing us. Um, and then last but not least, we do have the nothing finer pod at gmail.com. If you listen and don't do social media. One of the most important things we're going to say today is there is 12 days until the dogs go duck hunting in Atlanta. Oh. And it is about damn time.
1: And it's looking more and more what the fans have called for. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia released a video of some black police today that are fucking clean.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And for anybody getting mad about the uniforms that were posted in the Facebook group and the Instagram, that was just something I made for fun. Just get people riled up and all this are fucking because worked. people are pissed about that
0: I, I mean there like was that. a guy literally called himself old Man dog that started commenting on our stuff because he was <laughs> upset that they did away got went away from anyways old people are weird all right last thing we're going to say is there's nothing finer in the land
1: than a drunk obnoxious Georgia fan biggest third down in Bryce Young's career You need ten. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield! Underthrown and intercepted! Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines! All the way to the end zone! And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide!